in partnership, I think it's important to know your own values and then find out early on what your partner's values are and have a conversation about it. And can there be shared values? Are they shared? Are we in alignment with each other? I think that that can eliminate quite a bit early on. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of What Makes a Relationship Worth Doing the Hard Work? And I have a conversation with a returning guest, Kathy Courtney, and I love my conversations with Kathy. In this episode, we talk about how do we know that we are in a relationship that is worth doing the hard work? And we share some of our personal experience as well as our work experience in this area. Kathy shares the importance of self-awareness in her partner. For instance, that he knows what his emotions are so that he can articulate what's happening for him as a component of this knowing. We also talk about how important repair is in a relationship after a conflict and that is done with kindness and love. And we talk about experiences of the ratio of having more connection than disconnection and feeling met so that it makes the other parts more livable. We also talk about when we work with couples, how important it is to explore their values early on in their relationship. So let me tell you a little bit more about Kathy, and you can also check out more about her on the show notes and go to kathycourtney.com. Kathy works with people in conscious relating. And she brings her heart and deep listening skills to everything that she does. And her greatest strength is creating a safe space that allows others to be with things that feel difficult and to stand fully in what's real for them. All of her work teaches sovereignty, authenticity, and intimacy. And she believes that these practices create space for greater compassion and love and ultimately support us in uplifting humanity and living truly fulfilling lives. And for me, it's an absolute joy to be around Kathy. It's always such a quality experience for me. So before we get on to the conversation, I do want to get a shout out to thank a couple people for recently donating to my podcast. I'd like to thank Andy in North Carolina and Charlotte in California. If you would like to donate to the podcast, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on support the podcast page, and you can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. And I've mentioned before on past podcasts that I'm going to be introducing a new segment to some of the shows. I'm going to call it Listener's Questions. Let's talk about it. And that will be taking some of your questions that you can leave 
a voicemail of a question, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on the podcast page, scroll all the way down, and you'll click the button to leave a voicemail question. And I will possibly answer that on a future podcast. So don't be shy. Send your questions in. Okay, here we go, folks. What makes a relationship worth doing the hard work? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. All right. So we are going to record this because I didn't press the record button before and we had a hell of a conversation <laughs> for about 20 minutes. People, you missed it, but we're going to try it again. So we uh, wanted to have another conversation like we do on our ease, the way that we love of the presence of relationship. And and we had a little difference of how, well, I had a difference of how it was interpreted, what you offered to talk about and your offering was. Yeah, I had put across the suggestion of talking about how do you know when you're in a relationship that is worthy of doing the hard work or conversely that it's not worthy of doing the hard work. And what did you think I meant? Well, I read it, but somehow I interpret it as what makes a relationship worthy of doing the hard work? Like, (laughs) what are you going to get out of it with the hard work? So I guess we can explore a little bit of both. (laughs) It has to do with hard work and relationship, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure as we start to talk about it, it's all kind of mixed in together. I guess maybe I could share a little bit why this came up for me. Yeah, I think I've shared before. I find myself in the first, I mean, I'm almost 48 and I've longed for a mutually loving relationship my whole adult life. And I finally find myself in one and I had to do a lot of personal work to get to this point where I broke free of some unhealthy relational patterns. And so now I'm in this, what feels like a healthy, mutually loving relationship. And, you know, there's a lot of good communication in place, a lot of shared values and all that kind of thing. And there's also difficulties that we come up with. And So I just started to ponder and then in working too with some clients and looking at the struggles that they have experiencing them, this question just started to arise for me. How do we know that we're in a relationship that's worthy? And in working with people, how do I know to keep, you know, holding the relationship in that uh, framework? So I thought maybe I'd share a little bit for me what feels important and we can kind of riff off of that and I'd love to hear you know for you what your personal experience is for me there has to be a level of self-awareness in my partner so that they well I'll just speak more directly so that my partner knows what's happening for him if he's having a trigger he's aware of what's going on He knows what he wants. He knows what his emotions are so he can articulate them to me. He's done enough work that he's no longer really relating to me from a place of unmet needs, but more a real relationship where there's space for both of us to exist and to have our experience and our perspectives and things like that. 
But even if there is, you know, if we rub up against something and things may get inflammatory or something, afterwards the repair feels super important, how we do the repair. And I think that there has to be a level of kindness and love there between the two of you. And didn't you get some of that clarity based on past relationships that you had to learn from that didn't hit that bullseye? Totally. Right. You have to know what what it is that you want based on what you didn't want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely had a period of, you know, a couple of relationships where I set up sort of a punishing thing. Yeah, I I take responsibility for it. I, I think I created these relationships where I would feel punished in a way. So I've had the contrast and and now I really get, oh, there's got to be enough love and kindness and care for each other. So that's another really important one. And then just enjoyment, enjoyment of time. Like I like being with you, you know, we have fun and there's laughter and dancing together and a sense of ease so that the the more difficult times it balances out it's not all struggle there's a nice flow of fun and lightness and depth and dissonance and you know coming back to uh, our bond again and again and, and once you say the things that you just named the needs to be the majority, the the higher volume of the other things, right? And I think that that's some people struggle with that. They they don't really understand that that you really need the volume of all of those things higher than the volume of the disconnect and the challenges and the things that aren't working. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what people kind of think, well, I, you know, I got to work hard to get through all of those other things. But those other things, if they're high in volume, I don't think that that's healthy. I think that the base that you're talking about needs to already be there in some way of compatibility and experience. I know so many women, and I'll put this out because when I say it to women, they just look at me and they go, oh, you're right, people. They're with men for their potential and they're not with the men for who they are. Potential is fine, but that should be the gravy and the froth, I call it. Mm -hmm. Because so many women I think are like, oh, but he, he has it in him. I'm like, how often do you see that thing in him? (laughs) Well, not so much, but I know it's in him. I'm like, "Mm, that should be in him more than you're trying to bring out. Yes. And so I think that that's so important is not to be with somebody just to be with potential because then you're always going to be wanting that potential to come up as opposed to if that potential doesn't achieve itself. Is it enough the way it is? Right. You have to kind of take people for how they are now. Yeah. There may be room for growth. Mm-hmm. There may be evolving. But you have to know that the person that you're with today is going to be the same person essentially six years from now, 10 years from now. I mean, not the same, but just the same kind of, I think our way of being stays similar. But it's not actually up to us whether the potential of that person, you know, if they fulfill that potential. So I think what you just spoke about with women is a little bit of a, you know, a mothering codependent tendency that that women have, some women have. I've definitely been guilty of that in the past. 
So what other, for you, in your, you've had a different relationship story from mine. You've been with Rainbow for a long time. 25 years, yep. Yeah. Married 24 next week. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's not been free of not having hard work, people, uh, but there's been more ease than hard work. So mm-hmm. I just want to put that out. What are the other things that you noticed uh, as you were entering the relationship with her and as you continue? Because you choose every day, I'm sure, mm-hmm. that feel essential for you and worthy of doing the, yeah. the difficult work. Well, I think we're sticking with, for me to have known, is this relationship worth doing the hard yes. work? For me, for so many of my relationships as an adult male, I wanted to really be met by a woman. One way I wanted to be really met was to be able to really look in a woman's eyes, to breathe with her, but to be met in strength, vulnerability, to use it as a way of really connecting without words, even though I I am a verbal person. And my experience in the past was I wasn't met in that way. And even my own self, I had to strengthen myself in that, not to move away, not to look away, not to laugh, not to make a joke, not to get too intense. But I never had that experience. And I knew, even through three or four year relationships, that I longed for that. When I met Rainbow within the first week, we had an experience where we looked at each other and as we were looking, in my mind's eye, in my head, I was thinking, can you meet me? You're meeting me right now. Wow, you're meeting me. And I felt her talking to me of like, yes, I'm meeting you, with no verb, no, no verbal expression. I really felt her meet me in her own power, in excitement, in awe, in like, wow, what is this going to be? So there was a there was a little bit of a foundation of like, wow, this is worthy of exploration because of being met in a way that I didn't want to, that I haven't been met before. If I may interrupt, what you're describing feels almost like a soul recognition. In some way it was. Yeah. And I know that people, you know, use that a lot. And, but I think it came from the deep need of my own soul that I was wanting to be met in that way that I never had that experience. So I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted something. Mm -hmm. And when I did experience it, it was like, yes, this, ah, this is what it is, but I wanted more Then I wanted the, the grounded work. Can we understand and acknowledge each other? Can I deeply talk to this person and be understood and understand her? Do I love talking? That's one thing. I I love talking to, to my wife of all kinds of subjects. She's a very interesting person. And she's a very, very kind person. And so having those prerequisites met in the beginning, I really felt was worth doing more of the hard work. And it was hard work. I mean, even like that part around feeling that I wanted to be met and felt that I was, within weeks, I remember talking to her at night. We were staying in a teepee at Esalen, a friend's teepee, and we, it, was, it was late at night and I'm talking to her spilling my guts and being vulnerable and I'm like ah yeah I'm going to be really met and I look over and she's nodding off she's like starting to fall asleep and I'm thinking to myself no fucking way man you can't be doing this no and I started getting angry and I was like you can't fall asleep I'm spilling my guts out to you and she was like yeah well you know I'm tired and everything and 
And I just remember feeling so not met and so frustrated. And I remember like saying to her, fine, well, I'm going to just go to the baths. This one has, you know, the hot <laughs> baths. And as I was walking outside, she gently walked behind me. She put her arms around my waist and kind of tilted me back to look up. And there was, you know, the billions of stars that night. And without her saying anything, basically the message that I was getting was, what I'm getting upset right now, on the bigger picture, she doesn't fall asleep with me every night that we talk, every conversation that we have. The woman was tired, man. You know, can I let her have that moment? And can I see the bigger picture? So just with that gesture, to me, that was going through some hard work, getting some understanding even from that. So even that experience made me think, there's, I can do hard work with this person. I love that story and I actually really resonate with it. One of our first dates, we went for a walk in the woods and I had just found out that somebody I knew had cancer again for the third time. And the news came from an unexpected place and I didn't realize it, but I was holding some grief. We started walking in the woods and he was talking, talking, talking. And I remember feeling like, oh, I don't really want to hear him talking right now. I just want to be with the trees. And I was feeling some grief and I didn't really know it just yet. And I turned to him and I said, ah, I'm noticing that I'm feeling some grief. And then tears started to come down my eyes and he just stopped everything. He put his arms around me. And he just stood there holding me while I cried for, I don't know, maybe five minutes. I don't know how long it lasted, but it was that he was so able to just stand there and hold me right where I was, let me cry. He didn't say anything. He just gave me presence. And there's been multiple things like that since that time. And, you know, then there's the moments where I'm like, wait, where are you? <laughs> you know, like, where's that presence I had in the woods? Or, But it's, it's that it's consistent over time. And it's surprising when it happens. And I, it's like it's happened for the first time again, where I feel so met. It's that feeling of feeling met and held. And that is, that's priceless. So it makes the other parts, you know, um, livable. Livable. (laughs) (laughs) What what were you going to say? No, yeah, Yeah. livable. It makes the other parts livable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a beautiful story at Esalen with the the stars. What are some other things you've noticed? Well, I get a lot of inspiration from my wife. Like, Mm. not inspiration where she's giving it to me, but watching her walk in the world how she treats people and how she gives them presence and how she is kind and unique and authentic and at times insecure and vulnerable and honest about it. So when I see that, it's it's such an inspiration for me to be more of that myself and also very proud that I am with someone who is like that and doing their own work. I know how much work she does on herself and that makes the relationship, that I know that 
my relationship is worth the hard work because she's doing her hard work. I'm doing my hard work and we're meeting in our benefit and our challenges and our own insights in the relationship. So that is, it's a prerequisite for me. And that, yeah. that way, knowing that somebody is really like checking themselves in that way and continuously growing in that way. There's a couple things I get from what you just shared that you feel inspired and proud, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. But also what you described in her doing her work and you doing your work brings up this idea of differentiation for me or like having each of you having your own sovereignty Right now, both uh, Stefan and I, he's got into Wim Hof breathing. He's mm-hmm. been doing it for a while, but he is, I mean, the, I think when you start Wim Hof, you do three sets of 30. He's up to 700 breaths in the morning. So that's on, with people that don't know that, that's cold. No, 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 no. Right? no. Isn't that, that what the Wim cold? Hof does cold, oh, but, but first not... he just does this breathing exercise. Okay. So, but it's, I mean, just to do 700 focused breaths and then he'll meditate for sometimes up to an hour. Every day I'm watching him gain more clarity, more strength. He's getting more solid in himself. And to me, that's super sexy. Mm. So he's doing that. He's even sometimes saying, well, you know, I can't get together here because I got to do my breathing, (laughs) which I really like, actually. And at the same time, I'm really working. I've got some big life changes going on with leaving a steady career and really stepping more into my work in the world. So we're both very focused at the moment on our own path and To me, that feels essential because, first of all, I'm respecting him for having focus and working on his work. He's respecting me for what I'm doing. And when we come together, we're coming together as more sovereign people, you know, differentiated, holding our own. And we can really see each other from that place. Yeah. A mutual dependence instead of a codependence in that way. Right. Yeah. Right. So I feel like that's another essential quality. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you and Rainbow have that as well. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be in the, the aspects of compatibility that we're doing the same things. Right. You know, with her, maybe with her studies, that women's studies or art is such a big part of her life. That's not a big part of my life at all. I'm doing some other things. So we don't overlap in that compatibility, but what, what we do overlap in it is in the passion, the interest. I want to hear about her experiences, her insights about it. Not, well, well, I don't really have an interest of it, so I don't want to hear. No, I'm not doing it, but it's intriguing how she goes about her thought process with it or her work with it or the commonalities that she's sharing with other women and the connections that she's making. So I think a big part is also being really interested in, in, in the other person, being really curious and interested in the person. To me, that's a, a vital component as opposed to feeling I'm not being met or there's not a match and there's constant conflict. Cause part of the hard work that makes a relationship worth it to me is there's been times throughout our 25 years that we've had real struggles at times, challenging struggles. But the volume compared is very low compared to compatibilities, connections, ease, passions, love, 
all of the buoyancy of, of the relationship. I see many couples that they're coming in and they're talking about the three or five huge conflicts that they had each week. And it's yeah. constant. And yeah. they think that they got to really work through those. There comes a point, maybe it's like, I don't know if you've got to really work through that. You have to also assess how much of that is in the relationship. Because some people get addicted to the work. They get addicted to processing as opposed to, am I really benefiting from this? Because a lot of people, when they're in that loop, they don't like themselves. They don't, I, I ask them, are you a better person because of this conflict? Do you like yourself here? I don't like myself in the moment of maybe a conflict, but through the repair, as we're talking about, through the insights and understanding, I really like myself. I'm really getting a lot out of it. That's when I know the hard work is worth it, too. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I've noticed in working with some couples that they're, if, if one person has had a lot of trauma in their past and there may be a lot of opportunities for difficult things to happen. You know, they have a lot of landmines in them and that can create a lot of dissonance or I think that takes like a different level of being able to work through things or be with each other on it. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think it also depends on sometimes both people have it and what they're doing is they're trauma bonding. And through trauma bonding, my experience is that people don't really move through that. They're just, that's what their bond is. And if they don't have that trauma, their own and shared, then they don't have a a bond. So they don't move through it. I think it is different when one person is maybe moving through it and there is challenges, but another person is really able to hold the space, learning compassion, moving through that. That I think is worth the work. Yes, definitely. And and that person who possibly hasn't had the, you know, I think all of us have had some level of trauma, but for the person that's maybe more grounded, there's a process of learning how to be with the other. They have to be willing to be with the other and hold space in those moments. So I think that that is a slightly different situation than than maybe what we were talking about. Because that may look like, oh gosh, three big things happened this week. Right in the process of learning how to be with the trauma. Right. Yeah. And my experience is with some couples that that's just constant. Yeah. I've been seeing couples for a few years and that's what they're bringing in. They're not really bringing and moving through that hard work. It's just they're constantly hitting this walls of constant, constant, constant conflict and maybe little times of of connection and good times and ease and fun. But again, the volume of that is so disproportioned. And as we talked about, that's a hard call to know when to say, I'm, I'm not able to do my work in some ways uh, as evolve in relationship with this person, but I'm learning a lot from it that I can take to some someone else. Yeah, It's a hard call. Like recognizing when it's no longer serving anybody in the situation. Yeah. Hence that what we said, is this rate, how do you, how do you assess, is this relationship worth the hard work? Yeah. When I have myself and friends who are perhaps in that kind of experience, what I've recognized is when you know, you'll know. Mm, That's true. If you're doing your work and you are paying attention 
And maybe the questions arise five years prior, but you keep going through it. What I've seen and what I've experienced is at some point, you just know it's time to move on. And it's painful to get to that point. But I think that that eventually can can happen. Yeah. So I want to get back to you and Rainbow. I was loving hearing about... Oh, you were, talk, you were talking about staying curious. And actually what it had brought up for me was there's something too about, even if you're not doing the same things, like there's different things that are important for Rainbow than there are for you, you're tracking, you're tracking what the other are doing. So even if it's not your own interest, you, you know that your partner has been involved in this, this, and this, or this thing happened for them, and, and you're tracking that. I'm not asking her, how was your day? No. I'm not doing that. I'm asking her, hey, you just, I know that you were having that, that meeting with your friend and you were a little worried about how it was going to go. How did it go? Hey, I know that you're reading this book on so-and-so. Tell me what you learned. Mm -hmm. So you're right. I'm tracking. I'm tracking. I'm keeping some space in my own head about her life. So I track her interest, her process, what her challenges are, what her triumphs are, what she's excited about, what she has some anxiety about. Right. I want to take an interest in that. And I don't have to take it on. I just want to have an interest and curiosity and support her. Yeah. And I can say from being on the other side of that, I have a couple really close girlfriends too. One of them in particular, Lisa, she is one of the best trackers I know. Mm. And she'll leave me these long messages and She'll say, oh, I want to know how it was for you at work, that thing you shared the last time, and how's that all going? And, you know, she, she's an amazing tracker. She happens to be a therapist. So I think therapists are good <laughs> at that. Um, but the feeling that I get on the receiving end of that is I feel so held. Mm. I feel held. I feel cared about. I feel less alone. Yeah, there's there's something like the you know this I've got this nest of of holding from from my girlfriends and Stefan and people that are tracking me. So I think that's that's important too. Do we get to the values conversation? No. No, that was in the part where we didn't press oh. record. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one people so we're going to chat again. So I actually would love to share I have this values exercise. So I did some work, a training in corporate culture, and, and they have uh, this company delivering happiness. They've created a set of cards, like playing cards, but all the cards have values on them. And there is a game that you play with your partner where the end result is that you each have selected five of your most important values. And then you share with each other so I picked freedom, and then you ask, or your partner asks, well, what does that really mean to you? And then after you've shared your values, you kind of like, you look at, oh, where are the similar ones? Okay, let's pick this one over this one. And the goal is to come up with five shared relational values. But what was so interesting in that process was I, I came to recognize that Stefan and I actually have very common shared values. It was a great exercise to go through. What I have seen with some people and I have experienced in the past is that 
our values are off. They're off. So if, you know, one person's value is family and that's a core value and then somebody else's value is travel, freedom, you know, something that that could could be opposing to the the value of family or if one couple's value is freedom and the other's is security, that could create an issue. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is that a lot of people as individuals, we don't really even always know what our values right. are. Unless you were brought up in a household that was maybe religious, preached things like values, a lot of us don't know. Mm-hmm. We definitely act from our values. Right. But that can often... Unconscious values be sometimes unconscious, too. Yeah. Right. Or we may we think we have a value, but our action actually is opposing of the value, and that can create some anxiety and misalignment. So in partnership, I think it's important to know your own values and then find out early on what your partner's values are and have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And can there be shared values? Are they shared? Are we in alignment with each other? I think that that can eliminate quite a bit early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get more clarity of that, to also understand are certain ones non-negotiable? Because yeah. people sometimes have a hard time really putting that understanding, this is non-negotiable for me, this value system or the way, what I want in my life. Even, let's say, I'm surprised, cause sometimes couples don't have a conversation about children. Right. And really get clear. Right. That's a big value system. That's a huge right. change of direction of a family, yeah. of, of a couple. So sometimes they're like, well, I didn't really think about it. I guess I want it. Okay, no problem. And then have they really, really thought about that? Mm-hmm. The money value system, I think, is also an interesting one. A client really talked about he has a difficult time of the way that his partner, how she spends her money. Not that she spends her money, just on the values of what it is that she's spending it on. Oh, okay. And because he has a big value system of where it should go, you know, of helping communities and helping people. She places more value on wanting enjoyment and comfort, whatever. And so there can be judgment in that. There could be challenges when decision-making together as a couple needs to be made on that. So I think you're right, getting more of that clarity as opposed to underlying resentment coming in and not talking about it or just thinking right off the bat, it's not worth it as opposed to really getting some understanding and then making a clear decision on it. Yeah, that's something for sure that I think is good to get clear about. And like you said, and even actually, there's even a possibility to open up to a new value. That's true. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking how my values changed so much based on how I saw Rainbow make decisions or her values. I thought maybe I was like neutral on some things, but based on how she voiced her value system or or her actions around her value system, I was like, hmm, it solidified mine. Yeah. And at times also changed a little bit of mm-hmm. mine. I don't know why this is coming to me. It's a little petty, but it was a value system. But I remember being at Esalen, our first couple months, I'm trying to impress her in all kinds of ways. We're working in the, on the farm. She's a, a head of the garden and we're working on a farm. And I was a baseball player in college. And so I pick up a rock 
And I'm like, I can hit that tree over there. <laughs> and I went ahead and nailed that tree. And I thought, oh, this, my woman's going to see how great I can nail this tree. She was appalled that I would That's hurt tree. this tree. I'm like, I'm not hurting no tree. I'm hitting the bullseye, babe, you know? <laughs> and, you know, her not speaking to me for most of the rest of the day, being appalled. I kind of like sat by the tree and like going, I think I hurt you, didn't I? Man? Like, I'm sorry. But my value system changed based on like, I didn't, I didn't have a clue around that. And she, after coming down from some of her upset, really explained to me and that the tree can really feel and so forth. I'm really, I didn't know. And so I was open <laughs> to it. And yeah, I love hugging trees. I feel for the trees. I, I never, ever picked up another rock to throw anything at a tree again. <laughs> so just even that, that little thing, just about how yeah. a change in a value system can totally happen. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, for for me, one of the things that has shifted a little bit I'm fiercely independent. And Stefan is independent, yet he has more natural value on togetherness and more of the we and the things that, that really feed that. And I, I've had to learn more of that. I haven't had that kind of experience in the past. I haven't seen the benefit of what that brings. But sometimes his desire for that or his value for that can rub up against my independence. You know, I can perceive it as being controlling or trying to limit me in some way. And actually, I have enough experience to know that, well, that independence and the way that I've I've held onto that so tight has not actually really benefited me fully in relationship before. So I've had more of an openness to, okay, let's try this out. I'll let you lead in this area. And I am seeing the benefits of that, you know, to have my, my values or my thinking to be more on the togetherness and what's going to really nurture the we space between us. And has that been at sometimes hard work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I have to let go of a bunch of stuff in me. You know, I've... My, like I said, my independence. And sometimes it's come up around me making a choice and he doesn't like it. it. It's against his value system. And so there's been these moments where we've gone, you know, toe to toe with each other on, no, but I see it this way. And he's like, nope, well, I see it this way. And I don't know if that works for me. And, you know, and then when we come off the ledge <laughs> and really back up and, and start to try to understand each other, some of his his come from really actually makes sense to me. So I think that that is possible too if there's enough openness to that's right to I, learn yeah. somebody else's value. And, that's a, that's a great example. Yeah, and I think also when people think of hard work, sometimes they're thinking about the hard processing and constantly moving through a conflict. Sometimes the hard work is is actually lifting off to lift off and have space and time and self-reflection not to go right to the to impulse the impulse control to have to work it through and have to resolve it sometimes it's trust i'm going to trust this process i'm going to trust that i don't have the answer right now i don't have to push it that's hard work mm -hmm. just in itself mm -hmm. so i think even the view of what hard work is for me that's really changed my perspective too 
because making time, being more conscious, it doesn't necessarily mean like that's a struggle. Right. It just means I'm just putting more focus and more attention on it. And is that hard work? I have this thing about hard work growing up in Detroit, you know, like, you know, everything's got to <laughs> be a bunch are you of working? hard work. Yeah, exactly. You know, I grew up in a family like you're working hard. You know, an uncle would say you're working hard. And if I say no, it was like, that's horrible. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> I was like, can I just, you know, work without, can it be easy? <laughs> I, I, I text a friend the other day that I said, uh, he wanted to make a phone call. And I said, yeah, I, I get out at 630. And his response was hard working. You know, and I was like, yeah, man, like the James Brown therapist, you know, hard working. <laughs> and we joked about it, but it's that mentality around, you know, hard work is around struggle. But that doesn't necessarily, like, I'm finding that hard work doesn't necessarily have to be struggle, especially mm. in my relationship. I love that. It just means focus, persistence, consistency, discipline, attention, attention. Yeah. Mm. Care takes focus and attention. Sometimes it's harder to care and sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. I yeah. love that. So I think we'd be remiss to not talk about sex. Mm, let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> let's, let's talk, talk about, about you and me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I think, you know, in relationships, if things have been a struggle, if they have been what feels like hard work, mm -hmm. it's quite common that sexual intimacy can start to diminish. So much so that you may lose attraction yeah. in your partner. Yeah. What do you got to say about this? Well, I mean, it's just interesting of like, that's why there's a lot of people that have sexual affairs. A lot of it is they're not doing hard work with that person, you know, in that way. They're not running against walls. It's easy and there's novelty and there's a lot of appreciation and, and so there's a lot of sexual passion in that way. Yeah. So I think you're right. Like if there is a lot of resistance, a lot of challenges and struggles, that does take away aspects of attraction and sexual attraction. I do think though, when it's more honest reflection of emotional transparency, that becomes a huge aphrodisiac. Uh, I know for myself that like when when my wife can really own and transparently communicate what is going on for her, even if I don't agree with it or I don't like it, if it's done in a tone of real awareness and emotional intelligence, that's attractive as hell. That is so sexy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that, that it's the same when, because Stefan, his natural way is just very open and loving and agreeable. So if he was like that all the time, you know, I think part of me doesn't trust it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when, when it's not like that for him and he does speak his truth, those are some of the times that I feel most attracted to him for sure. I think Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity, is a really good one for people who are struggling to, to really see that in their partner. Uh, she talks a lot about the need for differentiation to feel the eroticism. And oftentimes, even like if couples merge too much, 
there's a lot of compatibility and enjoyment with being each, with each other, but then you end up really just merging. Merging. It's kind of like, do you want to have sex with yourself all the time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's exactly right. right. So actually noticeably paying attention to that and, and separating so that you can still see your partner as other. Right, yeah. And hear them in their truth and their differentiation. Right. I think that's a really important part of sexual attraction. And I was working with a couple for, for some period and their sexual relationship was very low in their understanding, compatibility, frequencies, and mainly from one partner. And what she was trying to reiterate to her partner was, I need you to have your own life. I, I, re, I want you to have friends. And he's like, looked at her and said, so you're not attracted to me sexually because I don't have friends? And she said, yeah, because I don't see you separately. I don't see you living your own life and enjoying it and bringing that back into the relationship. All you're doing is relying on me tending to the family, I don't see you taking care of yourself for me to have that attraction to something that's separate from me. She said, that's so sexy when I know you're going out with your friends and that you have these other conversations. And it's interesting, he still didn't get it. Oh. And I think some of it is fear, his own fear of, of tasting himself in that way and experiencing himself in that way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and sometimes some worthiness comes into yeah, to yeah. play in that kind of situation, but good for her for speaking her truth about it. Right. Yeah, so differentiation. So at some point, I guess if you, you know, when you look at all the different elements of what makes a relationship worthy, I think if there's enough, maybe you're not currently having attraction or a lot of intimacy with your partner, but the other, you're working through some things and there is ease at times and enjoyment. I would say don't give up because there's not sexual attraction at that point. But if other things seem balanced and in play and there's no sexual attraction, that that's a bit tricky. It is. Yeah. I, I've seen that in some people. They're great friends. They're even differentiated they may have family together, they do life well together, but there's no sex. Right. And then I guess at that point, it's up to each person as to like, what do they need? Yeah. What are their wants? And I find that when some of that occurs, that there's not a lot of play in their life. They're friends, but there's not play. And to me, sex is a way that adults play. So one is around, because I know when I'm a kid and I play, I usually like, if something doesn't work out, we try something again. We don't like start arguing about why this didn't work. It doesn't get heavy. It doesn't get heavy. So a lot of times in people's sex lives, there's so much pressure on it happening and how it's going to happen as opposed to let's just play and really explore and have a lot of adventure around it. And yeah, that may not happen in, in other couples that have all this other compatibility issues some of it is, you know, yeah, just some aspect of, I don't know, energetics, mm -hmm. other attractions. Yeah. And that that is hard to come to that conclusion at times that we don't have that. And if it is important enough for people to want to have that in the relationship, then they're missing out. Yeah, definitely. And they have to make some decisions around that. Definitely. But I would say like another component of that that I know for, for us is 
you know, my bread and butter, what I talk about with appreciations, when we're deep in our appreciations and we're having our appreciation heart share and we're going really deep in the nuances and the artfulness of appreciating each other, our sexual connection and attraction is 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 increased mm-hmm. because I'm really seen by her in a different way. I really see her in another way, not just as this person that's making my life easier, but an appreciation is her walking in the world. So I talk about the appreciation of how I'm interested in her and how I'm inspired by her, not just what she helps me with. So when I bring that level in, I can see how the appreciation and the sexual attraction are correlated together. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes kind of an, just a, an additional expression of your love and appreciation for each other. And at that point, in my experience, it can be a spiritual experience to connect with your partner who you're deeply appreciating and seeing and, and loving who they are in the world. And right. That's a very whole, yeah. a wholesome experience. Yeah. And then there's other couples that are afraid to bring in novelty and afraid to bring in experimentation into their sex life and communication. Mm -hmm. So many couples, when I say, do you actually ask for what you want sexually? Mm -hmm. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want, or one partner says, I don't want that person to tell me. I feel rejected when they tell me what to do. And so even the communication part can be work in people's sex lives. Yeah, it's a it's a, a tricky subject because people have such a history with it. You know, there can be shame involved, yeah. but there is definitely some still taboo around communicating. But thank goodness there's a lot of support um, for people. Yeah. There's so much support available if that is your issue. But I do find that couples that didn't have the sexual attraction in the beginning of the relationship and are very compatible in a long-term relationship and they try to get it later on, most of the time doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So it happens more when they did have some sexual compatibility and a positive sexual uh, relationship and then it wanes for various reasons or stresses that they're able to get it back in some ways through what we're talking about. So there are some elements of just like some of the components of prerequisites that you even talked about in the beginning that you want is, is this relationship worthy of the hard work? That might be a component right off the bat for some people. Definitely. So I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Do you mm-hmm. feel that way too? Yeah. I wondered if between you and I, we could, for our listeners, just kind of recap the important parts of what makes a relationship worthy of the, of the work. There was... And I'm glad we went more with this one than oh, the good. one that I was talking about. Good. Yeah. We'll leave that one maybe for another podcast. Okay, good. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. So we talked about a level of, of self-awareness. We talked about an ability to be open and really get curious about your partner and demonstrate a lot of care and kindness we talked about enjoyment of uh, activity, you know, ease. shared interest, ease, joy, lightness. We talked about the ability to definitely communicate and do repair work after having some dissonance. And I think also I used this expression before, and uh, my buddy Greg Lavoie uses this 
the first time I heard it, is, do I like myself here? Mm-hmm. I think that's also an important component about is, is this relation, do I like myself in this relationship? Do I feel like I'm a better person in this relationship? And I think that that's a really important part. If I like myself in the relationship, I want to do the hard work. The relationship is worthy of it. But if I don't like myself, I don't like how I'm acting, I don't like how I'm thinking, that that could be part of the influence of the relationship, not just that I'm doing it on my own. That's a really good indicator. Do I like myself in this relationship? And then if we take that to a bigger level, is this relationship serving us? Is it serving people around That's us? That's right. Our community. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go from the you know, micro to the macro. Yeah. That just brought up around like with children, my son and his girlfriend, when they look and they say that my relationship, our relationship, rainbows, I are inspiration to them. Mm-hmm. That's I know that that this relationship is worthy of the hard work if it's benefiting younger generations and my son. Or I know people on the podcast, my listeners have talked about when you talk about rainbow and your relationship, it's such an inspiration. And so for me, that's it's worthy of the hard work when it, like you're saying, is benefiting the community and the periphery in many different ways. Definitely. I've had experiences with Stefan when we're out and maybe we're out dancing together or just being together and people smile mm. around us yeah. because they enjoy seeing the, the, the love and the bond that's there. And then we talked about values where you, yeah. you shared that lovely story at Esalen and throw <laughs> a couple stories yeah. from Esalen about throwing the rock at the tree yeah. and all of that. Uh, and then we talked about sex. Mm. I think we transversed a lot to give give people enough juice to start to thinking about a chew about mm-hmm. about different ways to really see and contemplate is this relationship worthy of of the work. Whether it's hard work or just, you know, my efforts, my focus and awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, having this conversation as I'm sitting here right right now, I'm reaffirmed in the fact that my current relationship is definitely worthy of doing doing the work. Yeah. (laughs) And we haven't talked about this and that could be something else, but people could take what we're talking about as components to other relationships, yes. friendships. I mean, even, even the conversations that you and I had over the podcast or tea, if something challenging came up for us, to me, our friendship would be worth some of the hard work to move through it Definitely. because of all the understanding, the compatibilities, the inspiration that I get from you and so forth. So it could be looked at in friendships and other relationships also. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for mm-hmm. reminding us yeah, of that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks, friend. Yeah, yeah. thank you. I love thank when it popped so up much. about, let's do this again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know after a period of time, like, I want one of those conversations <laughs> again. Yeah. So thanks so much for all that you do. Mm-hmm. You too. I'm excited yeah. about all the things that are in your future. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. We'll do this again. Ciao. Yes. Relationships. Let's talk about it is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC, of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only 
is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. Thank you.